lesson today is a lesson to parents dealing with our relationship with our children. Last week we talked about children honoring their father and mother and the child's relationship to the parent. Today we switch it and we kind of look from the perspective of the parent to the child. And we understand that that's an important relationship for because the children, for them to honor their father and mother, they must be trained to do so. Moms and dads must be wise and work hard to train their children. Without this training, without this proper relationship, then our children, or that relationship we have with our children, it will suffer. It will falter. Will possibly fail. It's a difficult relationship to maintain, even though it's a, it's one of those that can be difficult to maintain. It's interesting to note too that it's a, in regards to love, it's an easy relationship, because I think even when parents lose a relationship and have a difficult relationship, you never stop loving a child. Uh, a love for a spouse is much more of a love of commitment, but this love of a parent for a child, it's an easy one. It's a natural one. And that is only one little piece. If we love our children, then we've got to try to maintain a proper relationship with them. We're going to focus on this relationship today and talk about how to have, and in one sermon, and Really, a few minutes to talk about this is, uh, it's kind of laughable, but I present to you the outline that I have, and we'll see uh, what you think of it, and you can expound upon it in many ways. But the main thing is for you to be a good child of God, a good student of God, God's Word, and a lover of God, and to have Christ in your life so that you can be that example to your children of what it means to follow Him. Because ultimately, your role as a parent is to help your child grow to have a great relationship with God. So, on to this relationship, some points. I've got three points on an outline that talk about our relationship with our children. Number one, father and mother are to work as one. Let's go to Genesis 2.24. In this verse, it says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So two people, a man and a woman, united together, becoming one. And we know that along with this, they are going to have children if uh, God so desires for them and enables them to have children but they are different. The male and female are different. Two becoming one. And once they become one within the same verse, it mentions father and mother. Father and mother. The woman is not the father. The man is not the mother. They're different. They have different roles to play. And there's a lot of generalizations you can, you can make and that we see the differences between men and women. And we need to realize that God built us like that. God made man and woman different, and they come together to form a more 
perfect creature together. Male and females are different, and therefore, as parents, they have different roles. Let's go to look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It says there that God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Different, you know, still human beings, but very different. Men and women are different. And it's interesting then as you think about that verse in Genesis 2.24 that says, leaving father and mother, it doesn't say leave your parents. It doesn't say a man shall leave his parents and cleave to his wife. It says a man shall leave his father and mother. If you look through uh, the Old Testament, I don't know if this is true of Hebrew period, But in the Old Testament, there is no word to be found for parents. Isn't it interesting? Every time that the Old Testament... Now, when you get to the New Testament, there is a word for just generally for parents like we have. We can talk about a father and mother, or we can talk about them together as parents. But in the Old Testament, it's always mother or father. It leaves them very distinct. Even though it talks about them working together and becoming one... They still have these distinct roles as mother and father. So we got to remember that God has put forth a pattern that we need to follow and that there is to be a male and a female and they come together as one, but then they have distinct roles and they teach their children different things and a kid needs a mother and a father. That's the way it should be. And we know very much, even from our own experience, if a father is not in the scene, That makes things difficult. If a mother is not in the scene, that makes it difficult. If there is a child who is left left to be raised by others or perhaps by an agency, that really makes things difficult, doesn't it? A child needs a father and mother. That is the optimal way. And that's not to say that there's no grace, there's no way that things don't work out well in the end when it's not the the optimal situation, but we always look to God's word to understand the best way, the right way, the way that God intended for things. So understand that a father and mother are needed by the parent, and they are worked together as one. And the goal, the goal is to be fruitful and multiply. In Genesis 1.28, after making them male and female, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That's God's plan, is for a man and a woman to come together and to be fruitful and multiply. We're to become parents, we're to become um, fathers and mothers, we're to have children, So that we can fill the earth. And who would we be filling? If we have children, who would we be filling the earth with? Well, if you look at verse 27, God has created us in in His image. So it's it's God has placed us here to be His image. It's kind of like His representatives, His his people here. We're to show God on this earth and to, I don't want to say be God, to be God's representatives here on this earth. To subdue it it and rule over it. We're to take care of God's earth. 
God's creation is for us to take care of. We're to be like God on earth, taking care of what he's made. And so if we have more children, we're creating more little images of God. We are like God. We are not God. We are like God. He has placed us here to rule over the earth, to take care of it on his behalf. That's why he's put us here. So the goal is to be fruitful and multiply. We are, we are making more images of God to rule on earth. More children, more images of God to take care of God's beautiful creation. So the goal is to have children. God's plan for the family, then with a mother and father, with children, this is a good thing. Verse 31, and I believe, you know, this is, it's true that this is before the fall, probably before even Adam and Eve even had children. But in verse 31, it says that God saw that all he had made, and behold, it was very good. His plan was good. It's working out perfectly until sin enters. So this is the way it should be, is that it's man and woman coming together, raising children to be images of God, just as we all are all images of God. So um, I want to jump to Psalm 127. In Psalm 127. If you look at verses 3 and following, 3 through 5, the last half of the psalm, it says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. Having children is a beautiful thing. It's God's plan. In the United States of America right now, I, I think there are a lot of people who are deciding not to have children. And it's probably true in many parts of the world. You know, I don't want to have children. This world is not the place where I want to raise children. I don't want to bring them into that. And that's not the way God wants it. God says that it's a blessing to have children. I believe that's still true there are people who say oh you know overpopulation of the world we got to have less children china was in a, a worry and had limited the people they the, the number of children their people could have it was but god's plan is not that god's plan is for us to have many children god's plan is for us to be blessed by that and to raise those children to take care of the world not to destroy the world the god's plan is for us to have children so that even in the fallen world then we can as we raise our children to to represent god on this earth to let their light shine then they'll go out into the darkness of the world and show people christ we aren't worried about the darkness and bringing in, I don't want, this world is dark, it's evil, I don't want to have kids, I don't want to bring them into this. That's not God's plan. God says, be fruitful and multiply and let your children be the light in the world, in a dark world. 
So don't fear. Don't let fear prevent you from having children. Don't have apprehension. Trust that God's word is right. Trust it. There are so many people, too, as I'm thinking about this idea of being fruitful and multiply and letting your quiver be full of children. How devastating. We see so many examples in Scripture. Several examples in Scripture of women who could not have children. And what a devastating thing that is. And as we think about God's Scripture and ultimately how He wants us to be the light of of the world, the salt of the earth, we got to remember that even, even when the difficulty comes of not being able to have children for whatever reason, if you don't have a mate, if you are unable just to bear children, that's a difficult thing. But God can see you through it. God can help you. And the encouragement that I can think of that is the greatest encouragement in a difficult time is just to let decide you're going to let Christ dwell with you and shine through you. Be a blessing to others. So, a father and mother, they're distinct. They're to come together as a family and then work together as one to raise children. Father and mother are different. They don't do everything the, the same way. So as a father and mother start to raise those children, you got to remember sometimes that mom's intuition about, hey, that's a little bit dangerous. I don't think our kids should be doing that. Um, that needs to be weighed with the father saying, all right, but we got to teach our kids to live and not have fear. So it's a, it's a give and take. The, the mother saying, um, oh, come here, little one. Let me hold you and caress you. I know you're hurt. And then the father saying, all right, there you go. Now get up, back up and get going. You know, there's this give and take. It's a wonderful thing. Fathers and mothers are different. Work together, come together, raise those children for God. And that's what really point number two is about, is to teach your children to love the Lord your God. This is ultimately all that matters. We talked at the beginning of of our worship service as we were getting ready to open up. We sang, I'll fly away. Someday this world will end. That's all that matters. Someday you will answer to God. That's all that should matter to you. Our jobs are secondary. Our families are secondary. Everything is secondary to this one fact that there is a God and someday we will answer to Him. He has extended His love to us. How will we respond to Him? That's the only question that matters and you want to teach your children that fact. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever believes in Him You want to teach your children to believe in Him and to love Him for what He's done. So we are going to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this is uh, the crux of the lesson today is, is just found here. God's example to His people, to Israel, as they were getting ready to enter the promised land. Enter the good life. You know, and enter into the place where they could have life to the full. You know, they were encouraged to say, hey, don't quit loving God. Teach your children the same thing. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7 is where I'll read right now. Hear, O Israel, 
In other words, listen, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. We'll just pause there for a moment. Notice it says to teach your children. And I will say the the New American Standard that I was reading from, it says, teach them diligently to your sons. That word sons, it's sons and daughters. It's, it's your children. Your sons and your daughters, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. Teach them diligently. You are work to work hard at this. You're to teach them this stuff all the time. Point letter A, this is no one's else responsibility. Teach them to your sons, to your daughters. Diligently teach. This is your duty, your responsibility. I've heard it said, and a lot of people have said, I've heard it said many times, that um, a generation is only, we are only one generation away from falling away from God. If one generation fails to teach their children about God, it's all done. That was certainly true in a, in a time when, it was, when the word of God was handed down orally. Somebody dies, it's gone. Fortunately, now we have the scripture. The scripture is here to stay. It stands forever. They have made sure of that because they handed it down. These people carried this, this word forth and they taught their children and now it's our responsibility to teach our children diligently. It's your responsibility. Parents, let us consider this question that I have posed in letter A there. How often do we allow someone or something else to teach our children? How often? How many ways? Well, we send our kids to school. And they go to public schools where who knows what they're going to be taught. Maybe they'll be taught evolution. Well, actually, that's mandated by the state that they be taught evolution, right? So they are going to be taught something. What are they going to be taught? Are they going to be taught things that turn them away from God? Are they going to be taught things that, that by teachers who say, ah, you know, that word of God, that thing's an old thing, it's just an old, old thoughts, and it's not really, we got science now, we're so much more enlightened now, we understand better now. I'm very enlightened on the theory of evolution. I have a degree in biology, that counts for something. And I will tell you, I, um, I still am not fully convinced one way or the other of how many how the days of creation work for some people that's difficult to uh to appreciate but i i lean heavily and mightily towards 
um, six days of creation that were 24-hour periods. I lean heavily towards that. But there are some questions I still have. So, evolution, I don't completely rule out longer periods of time. But if you take the theory of evolution and you start telling people, hey, that is directly works against God's word. Evolution, the theory of evolution proves that God's word is not true and that you can't trust this. If that's what kids learn in school, then what have you done as a parent? You have allowed your child to go to a school that teaches them that there is no God? Have you done that? So it's interesting to me. I realize that there are many ways that a public school could end up trying to tell, any particular teacher could try to tell my kid that there is no God and that you're, uh, you're, eventually they'll come to the thought that your dad is a wacky nut job preacher who goes to church every Sunday and, and uh, is t- trying to convince people to follow some imaginary God. That's what could be told. I realize that. But at the same time, it's my responsibility. I know they're going to go into that situation, so it's my responsibility. It's a parent's responsibility. Mothers and fathers, you teach your children the truth. You bring your kids to church and hope they'll learn the truth at church. Well, that church helps, doesn't it? But it's your responsibility. And they're not going to learn everything in an hour on Sunday. They need more. They need you to teach them. Mothers and fathers, it's your responsibility. You think about how often we fail to keep that responsibility and we hand off that responsibility to somebody else. How often do we allow our children or encourage our children, hey, go, I'm busy right now. Can you just, just go pick up your phone and be entertained? Little children now, they're like, you go into restaurants, you see it, don't you? They don't have to teach their children to be quiet anymore. They put headphones on and plug them in. And they sit there, blah, 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 while the parents scroll through their phones. That's a bad situation. We have got to teach our children. Teach them to have relationships, have relationships with other people, and have them teach them then to have a relationship with God. How could we relate to God if we can't relate to each other? How often do we allow someone or something else to teach our children? Parents, it is no one else's responsibility but yours, but mine, to teach someone how to love, teach those kids, teach your kids how to love the Lord your God. How do you do that? Letter B says, keep them near and use every opportunity to teach. So we're going to read verse 7 again, back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Starting to verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you sit down when you lie down and when you rise up so it's like all the time keep them near you and teach them and the same it's important too to teach them other things too teach them how to mow the grass you know 
Teach them things. Teach them how to cook. Teach them how to live. Someday they got to leave you and go out on their own. But verse 8, the most important thing you teach them is love the Lord your God. Verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and you sh- and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. They used to write the Word of God, write information down on these little tiny scrolls and wear them. Verse 9, you shall write them on the doorpost and on your house and on your gates. Folks, print out God's Word. Write out God's Word on sticky notes. Have it plastered on your dashboard. Let us have the Word of God. Let us teach the Word of God to our children as often as we can. Um, In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, it says, Make the most of every opportunity, verse 16 in particular, because the days are evil. We've got to make the most of the time. Take advantage. Redeem the time. You have time. Make every moment matter for Jesus. Teach. Teach diligently. Keep them near to you and teach them the word of the God when they are here. And then as they grow older, you start to loosen the reins a little bit. Let them take responsibility for things on their own. And you gradually start to let them become an adult and encourage that. Letter C, it says, teach the commandment, the statutes, and the judgment of God. Teach them everything that you can about God. Teach them the word of God. So I want to back up a little bit. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Because in, in the passage when it says, teach your children to love the Lord your God, that's, what I, that's how I listed number part 2 here. Teach them to love God. Well, you teach them to love God by teaching them everything you can about God. Teach them to know the whole counsel of God. Chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might be able, so that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. So God, he teaches us. This This is his teaching. He's teaching us, and he says, I'm teaching you so you can teach your children, your grandchildren, and their grandchildren, their grandchildren. On down the line, teach, teach, and teach. Teach everything the commandments the statutes the judgments of god we want our children to know god and on to number three then after saying that to indicate noting god's plan for the family that the father and mother are to work together as one to bring up these children number two then to teach your children to love the lord your god that's the main thing teach them to know god and to love him And now some other principles that we can learn from Scripture, and there's so many more. But letter A, train up a child in the way he should go. You might know the rest of that, right? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, 
He will not depart from it. Proverbs 22.6. There's this wonderful, this wonderful thought about just really, you put the effort in. Remember it said, diligently teach. We were talking about in the previous section. You do that, and you should then be able to see, since you have show, you had in mind what you wanted your child to become, and you taught them to become that, in particular a lover of God, when you have diligently done that, you train them in that way, they will do that. This is not an absolute guarantee. And we know that we as parents, man, sometimes we really, we really mess up. Sometimes we take our focus and put it on other things and it's so, so difficult sometimes. So sometimes we mess things up and sometimes children will, will go away. That is so, I can't imagine the difficulty of that. I'm, um, I'll just make it known now. My kids aren't here, but I trust they're listening. They are. That's against the rules to fall away from God. You know, don't do that to a parent. It's against. It's. It's not allowed. It's. It's hard when that happens. But the fact is, is that it's their choice. I can't make them obey. I can't make them say right now. I'll never turn away from God. That's their choice. I just got to teach them to love the Lord your God. So we work on that. We be diligent with it. And God should provide that blessing. Letter B is to teach discipline. Notice, look at one here. If you go to Proverbs, you got got all these passages: um, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, and twenty. Uh, well, thirteen twenty four is the first one. The others are similar. Proverbs uh, thirteen twenty four says, "He who withholds." His rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. We've got to set boundaries for our kids, and when they step out of the bounds, they need punishment. That might happen in different ways. This talks about the rod. The rod is for the extreme, that's for sure. Um, But different children you can discipline in different ways. Sometimes just raising your voice can be enough to crush a child. So we got to be careful, you know. Some children might might take the uh, the physical discipline either e- easier than others and learn from it quickly. Um, others it might be devastating to them. Uh, it was always funny to me when um, we always tried to the the build up to physical discipline was always you know a little bit of progressive thing and hopefully the spanking was last, but. We would try restraint with our younger kids, and that always worked great with Will. He did not want restraint. You sit down with him and hold him tight when he was a little kid, you know, three years years old, and he wants to run around the house constantly. I'd put him in restraint. He'd struggle and struggle. No, nope, you're not getting out until you settle down. You're going to obey. He'd hate that. <laughs> and then Jack comes along. I put him in restraint, and he's like, starts cuddling. <laughs> So kids are different, just like parents are different. And we have to work together. And you figure out the best way to train your child. Teach, find out the best way to discipline your child. Uh, letter C says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. And here these two passages are so very important. Ephesians um, 
chapter 6 and verse number 4 is right, right after the passage uh, where we were at last week. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Right before it, honor your father and mother. Obey your parents, honor your father and mother. So there you see in the New Testament, you do have the words, a word for parents and a word for father and mother. Um, But in verse 4 it says, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Don't provoke your children to anger. Don't provoke them. Don't make them angry. And you think about, well, what can make a child angry? Sometimes it could be the discipline, right? Discipline is always, you know, sometimes that will bring up a little anger. But is that going to make them stay angry? Well, if you discipline them too much or too harshly, that can make them anger. That can build that bitter root of anger that they don't just become angry for a moment, but that they stay angry. So we have to be careful about not provoking them with excessive discipline or, uh, or unreasonable discipline. But there are other things. There is nothing in this that I see. Um, it says discipline and the instruction of the Lord. We see that word discipline, we think, well, paddling them or something. No, that's, there's more ways to make them angry than just physical uh, discipline. So if the father's absent, fathers, that could make a kid angry. If They, they need a dad. You know, there are other things that can make them angry. What if you're showing favoritism to another child? You see that through the Old Testament in those stories a lot. Favoritism can make other children angry, can provoke them. Be careful. Whatever it is that might make a child angry, you need to be very careful. Not provoke them to anger. Uh, The passage, uh, a couple of books later, uh, Ephesians, Philippians, then Colossians. And Colossians 3.21 is kind of the... The sister verse to this, when Paul wrote to the uh, Colossians, he was writing a lot of similar things. And in verse 21, he says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. So what can make your child lose heart? You know, what if you're not, not encouraging them in what they're doing? What if you're not helping them? What if you're always criticizing So fathers and mothers can learn from this. Be careful. Build up your children. Don't make them angry, but build them up and teach them to love the Lord God. Letter D says provide for their needs. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 14, Paul was speaking to the Corinthians. And um, 2 Corinthians 12, 14 says, Here for this third time I am ready to come to you. Paul speaking to a church in Corinth. And I will not be a burden to you, for I do not seek what is yours, but you. I want you. I just want to know you, people. I want to be there for you. I don't want to be a burden to you. And then he says at the end of this, for children are not responsible to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. Parents are to take care of the children. It's not the other way around. Paul says, I love you guys when I come to Corinth. I don't want you guys taking care of me. I want to take care of you just like a good parent takes care of his children. So we're to provide for the needs of our children is the information there. 
And also the, the needs, the relationship. Remember, we're talking about a parent's relationship with a child to live, be at peace with that child, a whole complete relationship. That's the desire. That's what we want. Um, Matthew 7, 9 through 11 is where the spot where Jesus says, which one of you, if, uh, if your father asks, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, you'll give him uh, a stone. Or if he asks for, I don't remember what the other thing is, a drink and give him a snake. Ask for a fish and give him a snake. No, parents take care of their children. Give them what they need. So, spiritually speaking, that might be we need to take the device out of their hands and put the Bible into it or make it sure what they're watching on the device fits with God's Word or is God's Word. So take care of them in every way. Provide for them. Give them a roof over their head, a bed to sleep in, and give them love. Give them good food. Take care of them. Provide for their needs. But then you train them to leave. Man shall leave his father and mother. We train them. We raise our children to leave. It's hard, isn't it? You've been there. Some of you have been there, you train them to leave, and then they're gone. You're like, oh, this is hard. I can imagine. I'm not there yet. But train them to leave. And allow that relationship then to change. The relationship is constantly growing. And you're disciplining and training, but then when they're on their own, then you're there to help them and assist them in appropriate ways. Let them fail. Let them learn. Be there to help pick them up. And as they grow older, just keep every time they have that, you have that opportunity to teach them something new. So give them a little bit more wisdom or share with them, hey, something I learned. I know it's hard and I wasn't good at this, but something I've learned is this. And you just tell them and help them and you're there for them. And eventually that, that relationship becomes more like a friendship. And that's a beautiful thing. But always be there and be ready Never, always to keep encouraging, help encourage your adult children to grow. Um, letter F, it says, make them disciples of Jesus. Make them disciples of Jesus. This is really all that matters. At the end of Matthew chapter 28, the last words of Matthew, 28 verse 19 Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the church's mission. And it is our mission as parents to make disciples of Jesus. To help our children know Jesus and love Jesus and make it that's their ultimate desire is to follow Jesus. Make them disciples of Jesus. That's all that matters. There's more that falls under that. Other important things, that's the most important. It's not easy. We're so grateful that God is gracious to us because, man, we make a lot of mistakes. Parenting, 
That relationship, it's a difficult one, but do your best. Be diligent and show your children Jesus. It's never too late to start growing or continue growing or do a little bit better. It's never too late. And always pray for those kids. Disciples of Jesus. The best way for you to make a disciple of Jesus and your children is to be one yourself. If there's anybody who's here today who wants to become a disciple of Jesus, you want to give your life to Him and follow Him, you do that by a step of faith, giving up your life, saying, I no longer want to live for myself, but I want to follow Him all the way. You get immersed into Christ and raised up to a new life when you start walking in Him. Live for Him forever. If anybody wants to come and follow Jesus today, you let us know as we stand together and sing.